0: This morning we begin a series of looking at biblical examples through the end of May of what it means to live empty-handed and we're going to uh, discuss that in detail over these next five weeks but we're going to start with the story of Abram in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 9. This is really sort of a A watershed chapter in the Bible, the three major religions, uh, all refer to this call of Abram. So hear God's word. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. When he departed from Haran, Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, "'To your offspring I will give this land.' So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negev. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Over the time of this series, we uh, want to look at claiming God in everything and living empty-handed, a phrase you'll hear over and over and over over the next five weeks. Uh, This, in Genesis chapter 12, is really our beginning as a unique people of God. We understand in Romans we are grafted in to this uh, call of Abram, this blessing that Abram receives, and so this this is our story. And we can learn a little bit of what it means to live empty-handed through this. It's immediately after chapter 11. Uh, in Genesis, it tells the story of the Tower of Babel. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But in this passage, Abram is called to go. This is the first mention we have of Abram. This is before he becomes Abraham and Sarai becomes Sarah. This is before Abram has any songs written about him, Father Abraham and many sons. Anybody ever been to church camp? All right, never mind. Well, anyway, he's still Abram. Things are just getting started and he's called to go. And not so much receive a blessing, but to be a blessing. And he builds altars as he goes. We'll talk about that as well. He is just a man being faithful. So what can we learn from this 75-year-old man simply being faithful? I believe Abram teaches us that living empty-handed does not determine what we receive, it demonstrates whose we are. In chapter 11, as I said, we read the story of the Tower of Babel. And that's an off-understood story. And do you remember why folks thought they wanted to build a tower? Do you remember? Be close to God. Yes, the scripture actually says they wanted to make a name for themselves. (laughs) How do you think that went? Not too good. They wanted to make a name for themselves. And it did not work. They were seeking blessings. And in chapter 12, we read of Abram being sent to be a blessing. Do you see the difference there? Give me, give me, give me all about me versus this is really all about this God who calls us. One of my favorite songs right now is by Casting Crowns. And I said in the other services, I want to sing it for you but wow but i won't uh i didn't have to get an amen on that Uh, but i will read it for you it's called only jesus the the i'll read the first uh verse and the chorus make it count leave a mark build a name for yourself dream your dreams chase your heart above all else Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the lie that it was up to me to make a name that the world remembers. But Jesus is the only name to remember. I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me. Only Jesus. I've only got one life to live. I'll let every second point to him. Only Jesus. We understand the manifestation of God that Abram was seeking in this Old Testament to be Jesus Christ. Abram would say, only God. This was about God You see, the problem with the Tower of Babel in chapter 11 wasn't an engineering problem. It wasn't that they had faulty plans. The problem with the tower was the fallacy of thinking they would make a name for themselves. Friends, we are here to be in relationship with God. That is our purpose That is why we were created. Abram shows that. It's really a call to go back to the very beginning of creation itself. Our purpose is to be in relationship with God. That is why we were created. Note in this scripture, in just nine verses, both at Shechem and out in the wilderness, Abram builds an altar. Not to say, look at me, but to say, what a blessing, God, you are. And he understood that he was to be a blessing. He understood that it was about whose he was. It was about God and not about him. You see, living empty-handed doesn't determine what we receive. It demonstrates whose we are. And please don't leave out the so that in life as we move to empty-handed living. I want to read again to you the so that of verse 2. God says to Abram, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. The purpose of Abraham's, of Abram's life, later Abraham, was not to get, get, get. His purpose was to be a blessing. You and I were created to be a blessing. So let me ask you, how's that working for you? How you doing with that? I confess to you that much of my life is about getting a blessing. If I'll just be blessed, I'll be happy. But the scripture says living empty-handed is about being a blessing, not about what we receive. There are two kinds of people, those seeking to be blessed and those living a blessing. One is closed-handed. Give me, give me, give me. Give me, give me, give me. And the other is is open-handed. Allow me to pass along the blessing of God. told you before, when my family moved from the mountains to Charlotte, it was a culture shock for me. I was uh, going into fifth grade, and we moved to a subdivision In the mountains where I grew up, we didn't have subdivisions. I thought that was some city math or something, but it turns out it's a neighborhood. And uh, the parsonage where my dad was a minister, the parsonage where we lived was on the corner of Shady Bluff and Circlewood. My best friend Mike was on the other end of Shady Bluff, and my two friends Garth and Jared were on Circlewood in the middle. It was after my first hard year, it was a great, place to live and it was so neat to have friends so close we would play every day after school it was just a great way to live and in the middle there was this man there were several people in the mid-70s who put astroturf on their um, yards do you remember that Uh, and several people did that but there was one uh, down in the middle whose yard we had to cut through to get to the creek This fellow was particularly proud of his AstroTurf. Um, He had these statues all over that I now know were St. Francis statues. And he had these signs up everywhere. And I just remember something about keep off and something about this was a sanctuary. So Mike, Garth, Jared, and I, if we were cutting through his yard, We all sort of drew straws, and whoever went just ran for all he had. And if he made it, we knew we were safe. But that is my image of of this man in our neighborhood. He literally would stand out and scream at us, Get off my lawn! Literally. Literally screamed at kids to get off his AstroTurf. Last time I checked, you can't hurt AstroTurf, but this guy with his St. Francis oh, Sanctuary, GET OFF MY lawn! Now, the rumor was he'd shoot you with a pellet gun. I never got shot, but Garth said he would. And if you can't trust Garth, who can you trust? Am I right? So, uh, that was one part of the neighborhood. On the other end of the neighborhood, there was a special needs guy just a little bit older than us who was nonverbal. His name was Richard. Richard had a huge impact on my life growing up because you were always welcome at Richard's. In Richard's backyard, he had a treehouse that was the coolest treehouse I had ever seen, and he always wanted you to play with him. It was fun to go to Richard's house quite different from down the street get off my lawn Richard this nonverbal special needs kid loved us and welcomed us and his mama Miss McKenna would make um, would make things and always give us a snack and in my house you were rich if you got those little Debbie um, Swiss cake rolls Woo! the McKenna's had Swiss cake rolls and I love going over there every time you went Miss McKenna would bring out snacks and lemonade and stuff it was great and every time you reached for something Richard would slap your hand and go uh uh do his hands like this and wait for you to say a prayer do you see the difference get off my lawn uh, uh, this is a gift from God. It's pretty interesting that four adolescents would rate a non-verbal special needs kid as one of our best friends who taught us what it means to live empty-handed. We can do that because... We know God is with us at all times. Sharon read the scripture, Remember, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Our God is always with us. Roger Swanson was a, is a retired United Methodist minister who used to head up our discipleship ministries division of our denomination. He grew up in Florida in an unchurched home and he told this marvelous story of growing up near a Methodist church in the neighborhood and he said it was a pretty big Methodist church where they had a basement for the youth and in that basement there was a pool table and even though his family never went to church, that church would sometimes leave the windows open. And Roger and his brother would wait until all the lights were off and then dive in through the window, get in the basement and play pool. He said, we had been doing that a long time. And one night, same thing happened, lights were all off. We dove into the window. I went over and flipped on the lights and seated on the couch down there in the youth area was the pastor. And he said, I was pretty sure life as we knew it was going to end at that very moment. But the pastor reached in his pocket, pulled out a key, and said, you boys want to get in here worse than anybody in our church? Here's a key. Come anytime you want. Because of that open-handed response, Roger Swanson eventually would give his life to Christ and accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and submit to a call to preach on his life. Because instead of, Get out of my church! Don't you know we've spent $5 million on this thing? Don't touch, don't smile, don't do anything! You're welcome anytime. Here's the key. Come anytime you want to come. Do you see the difference? Open-handed living means we aren't blessed to receive it and keep it. We are blessed to share it. Living empty-handed doesn't determine what we receive. Instead, it demonstrates whose we are. Friends, hear the great good news. You, 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 you are God's child. Praise be to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for allowing us to be your children. Thank you for creating us to be in relationship with you. Forgive us when we think life is about getting every blessing for ourselves instead of understanding. We're blessed in order to be a blessing. We love you. We thank you for the example of Abram. And we pray that we may learn.